Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California. Now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. Early September, Jupiter tucked under the two-thirds moon at midnight. My favorite of La Luna's many forms and phases. There's a very heavy aspect to it low over the eastern horizon. Like the Death Star under construction. The owls are hooting in three different octaves, a whole choir by relay, a choir of the night. The air has turned cool again, though wind only whispering. Strange old verses rise up in my mind, tales of bloody fields and feasting halls and epic battles. first that ever burst into that silent sea. There are some from times nearer to us. Even if the tales are older, the hammer of the gods will drive our ships to new lands. To fight the horde, sing and cry, Valhalla, I am coming. On we sweep with threshing oar. Our only goal will be the western shore. Now Led Zeppelin earned some mockery for their love of Hobbit stories. Robert Plant's love of Hobbit stories in particular. But something I discovered not so long ago is that J.R.R. Tolkien and Robert Plant grew up within walking distance of each other on the leafy western edge of Birmingham in the ancient kingdom of Mercia. 
won by war after the Roman legions left for good. Beowulf, which Tolkien spent years translating and then adapting into his own Middle-earth stories, was very likely written down and sang in the great halls right there in Mercia as well, modern-day Staffordshire. Just 20 miles up the road in Tamworth, capital of the ancient Saxon kings and queens. Both of those writers, Plant and Tolkien, longed for the ancient woods and great adventures that are deep in the very landscape there, as was especially illuminated in 2009 when the incredible treasure of the Staffordshire Horde was discovered in a field outside Tamworth left behind, perhaps, from the days of King Penda, the last pagan king of England. Well, maybe not the last, but the most recent. The best description of what happened there is in the Beowulf poet's description of the prying of gold decoration from the weapons and armor of the defeated dead. Hold now, O earth, what heroes cannot, warriors' wealth. Such worthy men first delved it from you, death blow battle has wrung them down. Ruinous carnage and mortal evil took every mortal man of my clan. They've quit this life and it's Mead Hall mirth. I have no one to bear the sword or to carry forth the decorated cup. The old troops have gone elsewhere. The fierce helmet, wound with gold, must be deprived of its treasures. On every old voyage of war, a great poet was there to recount the deeds of the warriors to glorify their works with verse that would tell their stories for centuries, for millennia. Poetry was and is the gift of the gods, the gift of Woden to his people who made the northern seas and rivers their highways to treasure and dominion. Winsbury, 16 miles from Tamworth, is a rare town name in England that still honors Woden. I came across that when I was looking for a historical film clip about the town 29 Palms east of Joshua Tree below the big marine training base and YouTube served me up a video of a song called 29 Palms that Robert Plant made uh, 40 years ago or so And all 
this comes to mind tonight because I saw in the news that some dreary old southern senator was blocking the Pentagon's usual trillion-dollar annual budget, not due to a love for world peace or any such thing, but because he claims to be worried about sailors doing poetry on aircraft carriers. You never know what somebody's gonna flip out about. In the year of 20 and 23. But I was thinking maybe if the U.S. had warrior poets aboard its warships, it might win a war every now and then. Imagine that. spend two weeks in Joshua Tree next month. What are your favorite hikes in the National Park? Larissa from Vermont. Well, Larissa from Vermont, what are you doing leaving Vermont in October? Isn't that the best time of year, the first half of October? Maybe you're getting away from the tourists. That's understandable. But the thing about peak autumn in Vermont is that it's everywhere. Sure, you walk out of Owl's French Fry and the parking lot is suddenly full of very shiny Subarus with New York plates. This is true. But... Get off the highway and just get lost on the back roads is just fantastic. I mean, it's not like getting lost on the back roads in Maine. That's an entire genre of horror novel. But if you want to come to Joshua Tree, have at it. The weather is nearly as good here as in Vermont. In October. A little warmer here. But the evenings and mornings are generally cool. And the cottonwoods change color if you visit one of the two or three cottonwood stands over these hundreds of barren miles. As for hikes, one thing you'll discover is that pretty much all the hikes in the National Park require trudging through ankle-deep sand until you can't tell if it's the sand in your shoes that's grinding or the bones in your ankles. So all the trails are pretty much exhausting hikes and 
Not in a good way, you know? That's not exhilarating. About 15 years ago, my friend and comrade, Corey Sika, got me a book deal from one of Rupert Murdoch's publishing companies with a real advance for this half-baked idea I'd come up with after my proposal for a Mojave Desert book was aggressively rejected. This was 15 years ago, remember, when very few people had heard of the Mojave Desert or wanted to hear about it. My uninspired backup plan regarded this very vague proposal to create a California coastal trail going from San Diego all the way up to the Oregon line. And I glanced at the route and decided to pitch that as a book, writing about California during the economic collapse while walking up the coast. There was no trail, of course. It was just walking along the shore or as close as possible when the shore was just cliffs or when you had to get around the frequent no trespassing zones like the shoreline of the Marine Corps base or around the nuclear power plant at Diablo Canyon. And it's just loose sand on the beach and it's at an angle. So it's hell on your right leg and your hip And remember, you're carrying a long-haul backpack with your sleeping bag and a tent and a change of clothes and water and a camera and a little tiny netbook laptop that could occasionally get on a cell phone signal, some paperbacks to read, flashlight, killing knife, a regular old cell phone, because the iPhone style did not yet exist. I'd walk on the wet sand whenever I could, but then my shoes would get wet, and you don't want to walk like that. 15 plus miles a day, so I'd walk barefoot on the wet sand when I could. But high tide would push me back onto that horrible, loose, dry sand again. Every day. Just hell on your ankles. The manuscript, which was about as uninspired as the original proposal, was aggressively disliked, but then the entire publishing imprint went under because of the global recession and near total collapse of global capitalism etc so it was all kind of forgotten they did not even come after me for the first half of the advance which was fair as I'd done my part of the deal so if you like trudging through the sand for hours You'll have a great time on the Joshua Tree National Park trails. It's fun, too, when there are people 
10 yards ahead of you and five yards behind you. And some of them are playing their favorite pop song on a Bluetooth speaker attached to their head so we can all enjoy it. We've been getting a lot of unseasonable rain beyond the occasional monsoon downpour. So who knows what the next month will bring. There's another big hurricane churning up the seas just west of Baja, California right now. They say this one's not coming up, but what do they really know? Who knows what will happen in October? A little common sense goes a long way, as in most situations. One thing we learn in the desert as young children is that you never camp or picnic in a place that might fill up real quick with water. There used to be these billboards in Arizona with a cartoon family settled under some shady trees and a dry wash. And they don't see the approaching cartoon flood coming around the bend. The one I remember was in the style of illustration you'd see on old matchbook covers. Harry's do drop in, that sort of thing. It really got the message across. Everybody knows, for instance, that if you're visiting Death Valley National Park and there's a storm brewing, you don't walk out at Badwater or onto the similar alkaline lake beds with those distinctive patterns of hardened mud tiles that the great architect of nature leaves behind. Because all of that turns right back into the thickest ankle-breaking mud in about three minutes of light rain. And you can't get back. And nobody can get to you. They teach you that on school field trips, you know, just very basic knowledge. We've all come across the comical spectacle of some kid's hot rod pickup three feet deep in the slop on the side of the 247 going up to Barstow or up around Hawthorne and Smith Valley in Nevada. So use a little common sense. Like if you're going to camp in a remote desert place, Maybe check the weather a week or so beforehand. The 10-day forecasts are widely used because they're fairly reliable. Weather always changes or not, but you are rarely completely surprised when you've checked the 10-day. And then glance at the weather forecast again as you get close to departure. Very easy. Otherwise, God knows what could happen. Depending on the kind of people you socialize with, you might wind up with a whole group completely ignorant of the weather that's on the way. And then you might find yourself stranded in poison fecal mud up to your knees, out of food and water, surrounded by the worst people, laughed at by the entire world. Well, then maybe some wino in Susanville says, I've had enough of these technology idiots. 
and he gets in a crop duster like Randy Quaid did on Independence Day, and he flies over the ridge and down the playa and strafes the wretched refugee camp again and again with everything he's got, pesticides, Greek fire, out in a blaze of glory. I was listening for the old songs of the old gods. You can hear them sometimes on the wind. And the bird song and the coyote song. And something else, too. But it was the other night, coming back from this secret place where I walk with the dog sometimes. I was careening down this dirt road with the enormous moon to the east and the last purple light over the western mountains. And all these ravens were circling above a point just ahead. Along this dirt road are telephone and power lines on old wooden poles. And there were hundreds of ravens perched heavy on the lines and scores doing lazy aerobatics just above. At sundown, sometimes I see groups of ravens perched up high looking quietly towards the setting sun. looking west. At the crossroad ahead, though, there were just as many on the lines looking toward the full moon. I watched them until it was too dark to pick them out against the sky. What noble lives they lead. This is how they finish a day of crime and adventure all over this desert valley. I wondered if it was a celebration of the full moon in particular. I rarely see these big meetings after sunset. They usually break off into the smaller family and friends units and continue the socializing where they live. Around their nest up in the high boulders on the hilltops mostly. Now, it is true that some of these ravens had spent the day hanging around the dumpsters outside the fast food chains that line our ugly highway. Between the miles of abandoned retail and the empty lots with the for sale signs, 
long faded by the desert sun. But the ravens know to get far away from all that, from that whole hideous scene. When sundown comes. And for us, they provide a lesson in living. When the dull machinery of human existence drags you down, get away from it. Like the ravens do. Isaacs and across the great Mojave wilderness, you have been listening to Desert Oracle Radio with musical soundscapes by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. And I'm your host, Ken Lane. We sure appreciate everybody who supports the show on patreon.com forward slash desert oracle and to those who subscribe to our occasional periodical. I'm working on the fall issue now. This is episode 199. Six years. six years are available for your listening pleasure in the Desert Oracle Radio Archives on Saturday night October 20 I will be bringing Desert Oracle Radio to the spooky old ruins of the Hot Springs Bathhouse in Hakumba on the edge of the desert, Hakumba Hot Springs, an hour east of San Diego. If you want to go, you just show up. This is how life used to be. You did not know until you got there. You could not check the weather app. Maybe the road washes out. Maybe there's war on the border. Maybe the demons are loosed from the pits below. Thanks for listening, and remember before you set off into the romantic desert night that a lot of roads remain washed out. You're not getting across the chasm in your least Tesla with four inches of ground clearance, you know? Get a horse. 
Good night from the Voice of the Desert. 